why don't you turn your idea into a great reality with Squarespace? They are a pal of this show, a friend of this show, because they want to help you get online. It's time you did. You're an amazing, cracked fan. You've got all kinds of things in your head that belong on a website. Let's make it happen. How do we make that happen? I'm glad you asked that in those exact words out loud. Please head to squarespace.com cracked for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code cracked to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey there, the Midwest. Are you free on this Thursday or Friday? Because we're in Chicago on Thursday, April 11th, and we're in St. Paul, Minnesota on Friday, April 12th. Ticket links are in the footnotes. These things tend to sell out right before the show, like the day before or the day of. Uh, So get yours now so you're not like frozen out of the show, right? Your plans come together. The people you plan to go with aren't upset because you waited. You won't be like a weird ticket scalper out front or something. Anyway, painting a very dark future for you. Why don't you avoid it? Get tickets now by following those links in the food notes, and I hope I'll see you there. Hey there, folks. Welcome to another episode of The Cracked Podcast, the podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm the head of podcasting here at Cracked. I'm also known as Schmitty the Clam. I'm also known as Schmitty the Champ, and I am also, also... Here to let you in on a secret I have tended to find to be true. I do a bit of stand-up, I've met a lot of comics, and I've often found that stand-up comedians are also way, way into history. I don't know exactly why it is. I think it's because maybe they're both into narratives, or we're all just nerds about two things at once, comedy and history. I don't know exactly what it is, but I find that happens a lot, and it makes doing this kind of episode that we have today extra fun. Because Logan Gunselman and Eric Lampere are touring stand-ups. You can see them at clubs and festivals all over the country. Also, Eric hails from Europe and often returns for shows in Europe. So if you're in Europe, you know that now. Thank you for listening from Europe, by the way. Uh, But either way, these are two fantastic stand-ups who also know a lot about history, get way into it, and are perfect partners in getting into this topic today. Our topic is bizarre military strategies that somehow won real battles. One more time, that is bizarre military strategies that somehow won real battles. A lot of real life, uh, you know, wily coyote activities here across thousands of years of human history. It's like if wily coyote mostly only used the catapult, you know, and, and less of the piles of bird seed and stuff. You get it. War weapons. Very fun. I'm so excited we get to share this one with you. So please sit back. Or tell the crew of the ship that you're captaining to make sure the opposing enemy ship actually has sailors and guns and and is not a big pile of trash dressed up to look like a ship and fool you guys. It works way more often than you'd think. You're about to hear why. And either way, here's this episode of the Cracked Podcast with comics Logan Gunselman and Eric Lampere. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Eric Logan, thanks for talking history with me. This is great. I love history. I also love history. <laughs> I really do, though. There's so yeah. much of it. Isn't it? There? There's loads. Oh, God. <laughs> it just keeps coming, yeah. Can I say something embarrassing? I didn't really care about history in high school because it was just dates. And then I had a realization like high one time in college where I was like, all this stuff really happened. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and since then, I've been like, well, this is crazy. But it took a while 
for that to sink in. So that is that, yeah. is, that is the same thing. My, my dad was like, "It's history. It's in the past. Who cares?" You know, he was very like akuna matata about it. But then he's he's learned no lessons about oh. you know like <laughs> See, that makes a point. We're then. repeating the past as we're speaking, literally. Right. I like that idea that history is exciting because it's all real. Because I feel like right. a lot of these stories here are only amazing because they really happen. Like if you wrote a lot of these, it would be like, why are you just coming up with an insane, right. stupid mm-hmm. event that never happened? But it did. It was real. And a, a lot of things we have here are relatively modern, but there's also older stuff too. I feel like in general, maybe there was a thing where like in the past, just not a lot of things had happened yet. So people were like, oh, why don't we try this crazy strategy? Because mm. there's no recorded history or nothing going on. One of the stories we were looking at here, Logan, you'd picked out the General Hannibal was in a battle once uh, a little over 2,000 years ago where he used uh, snake catapults, which is awesome. The thing that I loved in particular was it wasn't just snakes. It was pots full of snakes. Right. Which is like... That actually makes sense. That, cool, because I am imagining how they started was they tried to load like an actual snake in a cannon and they're like, oh, shit, this isn't going to... We got to put them in a vessel, otherwise they're just going to explode and it's right. not going to... Just loose snakes. Yeah, I like yeah, them. Right. They're yeah. like, we've tried like four prototypes of this snake cannon and we've discovered that these clay pots are the best <laughs> move. What kind of snakes was Hannibal throwing around? Oh, all of them. He wanted mostly venomous, but he sure. got to a point where he was like, there's no time. Load all the snakes. I want yeah. all the snakes. When, when was this? When, this, when, this when was and where in, was this? Uh, it's modern day Turkey, uh, and it was like in uh, 184 BC. Yeah. So uh, a long time BC. ago, and this was. Uh, I think people probably know Hannibal from like Carthaginian things against the Romans. Is what yes. he's most you, famous you're for. You're probably familiar with the Carthaginian Hannibal, but I'm going <laughs> to tell you about <laughs> a deeper cut Hannibal that you might not know. Yeah. Thank you, because the, oh, the Carthaginian one. Oh, it's my favorite. Yeah. Because he because apparently after Carthage lost he started like freelancing for other kingdoms that he could find and this was out in turkey it was like after that i feel like uber eats but weapons kind (laughs) of where he was like could i help out but so uh he came to live in bithynia which will be the name of my firstborn and (laughs) that's a great name the king king prusius you're probably like which prusius the first (laughs) he was having some problems with king Eumenes of the Pergamenes. Too many E's, I'm going to say, but that's not their issue. And so Hannibal helped him out where the other king was sailing into Bithynia. And right. the king, Prusia, King Precious is what I'm going to call him. Yeah. But he was like, oh, we don't have enough boats or enough army. We're going to get defeated. And Hannibal was like, no, we're not. You know why? I'm going to fill a bunch of pots with snakes <laughs> and launch them at their ships. And they were like, bold but we haven't tried it, so let's go for it. And I think then, back then, you know, marijuana wasn't as judged as, yeah. as much. I think generals back then, like, I think, you know, the king always kept one mad guy around yeah. for the for the crazy ideas, you know, like... <laughs> and, okay. and it was just like a what if, and they were like, let's hear him out, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. why not? But he, <laughs> he sent someone as a spy, the thing that's great, to the other king's ship to, to know for sure, like, where to send the snakes, yeah. Which I like because I'm like, if they didn't meet their snake quota, they had one ship they had to focus on. So, like, what's crazy to me is that you could just send a messenger because obviously how else would you send messages and everyone would just let him come in? Like, why wouldn't you immediately just... Yeah. I would just 
stab him in the neck, but I'm not a king, so <laughs> you would you would uh, kill the messenger as a yeah as yeah it goes, that's the, all that, of the time yeah I'm like I'm anytime anyone goes don't shoot them I'm like that's the first thing you do I don't want to hear your message <laughs> get out of here I'm gonna listen right. to you we're in a fight do you feel sorry for the messengers <laughs> they are literally just messengers yeah I, I feel like isn't it like a they, they are li- they are an email they are a, a human email <laughs> can I, well can I ask a question of since I feel like you're more knowledgeable. But feel free to chime in. Go on. <laughs> is would you be made to be a messenger if you were like being punished because they knew someone so often would end oh. up getting hurt? Like was that? It was probably of- an honor though as well, isn't it? Because people had to be really good at running. That's one thing. <laughs> I think. I think the marathon, for example, the first ever marathon was when someone had to run from either like somewhere to marathon or marathon and back. So marathon's a place. Oh wow! And the pl- yeah, and the, amount, right the amount that he had to run was around. 26 miles, right? Uh, Which was why a marathon's that long. And I thought it was like an honor to essentially be the king's emails. I would imagine you have to be like relatively low status to do it because you're sort of like a food taster or something. You know, it's very dangerous. But like you say, I don't know. Maybe it's like an amazing job for people. Or maybe it transitioned over time where like at first, you know how like lobster was eaten by prisoners is now a gourmet food. It was like at first, like we're going to throw the worst out there. And then we're like, wait a minute. Maybe this is honor. Also, I'm making all this up, but I feel so confident <laughs> what I'm saying that. Well, yeah. back then, back then the ideologies were really different, right? So I read a book called Mythos by Stephen Fry recently about Greek mythology, oh, and cool. one of the things, for example, was that people had to welcome guests in, right? That's one of the reasons why Lot, for example, the story of Lot in the Bible, oh. uh, you know, like a couple of angels come to him, and Lot has to sort of bring them in, right? It's because back then it was a sin almost to not accept people in and stuff. And I I think that like with a lot of jobs back then, it feels kind of surreal for us, but like, like the Vikings and Valhalla, like the reason they were like happy to die, literally happy to die was because Valhalla was way better than this fucking piece of shit planet that they're currently (laughs) living on. And so that's why it's just, we can't even fathom why suicide bombers kill themselves. But when you think, ah, you know, you're going to have like eternal milk and honey and 72 virgins. It's like, all right, that's, Sounds, sounds kind of nice. That sounds messy, I'll be honest. Yeah, you. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, there's lots of fluids everywhere. A lot everywhere. of fluids, <laughs> a lot of fluids. <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, back then, like, because I think the king, that's why I was checking with, like, the king Perseus. Perseus means through Zeus, right? Oh. And so it's like, they were such, they're not even royalty, they are like demigods. And so to to not do what they say is kind of a sin. And it's like, it's like a rejecting the demands of an Instagram influencer now. I right. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you can't. You have to you, go to the fire festival. Yeah, you you must go. And yeah, and Hannibal, uh, like you say, he launched clay pots just full of the snakes they could find and also sent a messenger just to figure out what the king's ship was, so they all aimed for that. And he turned the tide on a whole naval invasion of this kingdom he was working for by <laughs> catapulting snakes at them. It's very smart. It's brilliant. I have yeah. to say, though, like, I, I imagine that he can get all the snakes. Like, imagine Anaconda from the Amazon jungle. Like, he would, like the yeah. one massive clay pot. You know, because imagine the enemies, like you get one clay pot and it's like hundreds of little snakes and you're like, this is fine. Oh yeah, bring it on Hannibal. And then you've got another clay pot and it's just big fuck off anaconda. That'd be terrifying. <laughs> it just sounds like a horrible reverse Easter egg hunt where they're launching them at you and you don't know what you're going to get. And there's no chocolate, it's just venomous yeah. snakes. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And this is one Eric you'd picked out. Uh, it was uh, the US Civil War. 
and uh, the Union Navy made an entire boat out of trash. Oh, yeah. Just yeah, a whole yeah. boat out of that, which is amazing. So basically, yeah. like, yeah, the, the USS Indianola or yeah. Indianola. I don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> I think the first way, yeah. Thanks, yeah. man. Uh, <laughs> so they had an ironclad, which back then was pretty fucking badass because most ships were, like, made of wood and it was easily, like, sunk. Yeah. And then this one was made out of fucking iron. Uh, that's why it's called ironclad. And so it was, like, during the Civil War, it was north versus south, right? So I think the north had the, the ironclads. And they were worth quite a bit of money. And so when the ironclad was broken mm -hmm. they wanted to sort of bring it back to repair it but they didn't have the resources to sort of pull it back so the general back then i can't remember his name exactly but he sort of decorated the entire ship and he put mud inside it and then sort of like he started burning things inside the ship so it looked like smoke was bellowing out from the coal and stuff so from afar it looked like uh oh the north is in the sort of southern territories and the South, the the army, not only was terrified of that, but they spent quite a long time trying to battle this fake ironclad because they were terrified of its, you know, awesome power. Yeah. Without realizing that actually no one was there, <laughs> so they they just wasted a lot of time. Yeah, because it was the the Union had a real ironclad called the Indianola, and then it was uh, like grounded. This was 1863, and so the Confederates were like, "Oh, we can like steal this ship or or uh, take it for scrap or something like this. Gonna be great." And so a Union officer named Dixon Porter had half a day, and he had eight dollars and sixty three cents which is only like 170 bucks today. So he just built like a big fake ship out of yeah. junk and floated it at the wreck. So then the Confederates were like, oh God, another ship. Oh, that's no. pretty, that's, that's a, and again, that's a quite a smart, that's a quite a smart move. Yeah. It's been done, it's been done before as well, isn't it? Uh, I think there's an island in Japan that looks like a ship, but it's actually just an island. Oh, amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is accurate, right? So it's an island and then the, 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 the sort of constructions that they have on there, the buildings, from afar, looks like a, a battleship. This isn't Civil War times. This is like that World War Two. That wasn't a coincidence. They weren't like, "Oh wow, this." It was intentional. Really yeah. Like a ship. Just <laughs> out of like they were like, "Call me crazy," but what we've built, pretty ship-like. Yeah, and I think from like from submarines and stuff, you know, when they sort of look in the distance, it looked mm -hmm. it looked like a battleship. That's really very, funny. Yeah, very smart. <laughs> I just feel inspired. Someone building a ship out of trash really reminds me of how I treat my car and someone <laughs> did something productive with it. I'm like, then it is okay that this is what I'm doing to my own vehicle. Uh, the general named his ironclad Black Terror, <laughs> which yeah, I think in the Civil name. War is double like, meaning. Yeah, yeah, there we <laughs> go. Meaning. Very yeah, smart. I get that. Yeah, yeah, the Confederates were like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid so many ways. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, who took my ship name, damn it? <laughs> <laughs> but they, and yeah, and the Confederates just tried to dynamite the existing real ship and then run away because they were like, oh, God, it's a, another ship coming, even though it was broad daylight and just a floating pile of trash that they, there was no one on it. They just like pushed it toward them and they but were I guess like also, oh god also back then like now if i if i think of an ironclad i can just go on google and see oh that's what an ironclad looks like but if you've only heard rumors of like this this mighty ship who's made of metal <laughs> and then you're like this is fucking insane that's right. why like the kraken it's just a, i mean it's just a giant squid right yeah i think it's all is that what they are so it's been accepted that they think it's a giant squid that, you know, let's say, you know, if it emerged out of the waters, imagine going back home after months at sea, mm -hmm. trying to explain to your wife what you saw. 
it's fucking cracking, right? Yeah. Uh, same thing with Cyclops. There's a there's a supposed theory that uh, the the Cyclops, the reason they're so big and they've got one eye, is because of elephant skeletons. So the, the oh. actual elephant head, once it's once it's, once it's just a skeleton, the the hole where the trunk comes out of actually looks like a sort of eye hole, and, and so it's they a nice big. That was a... And they thought it was from these giant men creatures almost. Mm. Yeah. So I think just just from hearsay, I think that just the, the power of the ironclads myth was enough to keep people at bay. I think rather than just the even the visual, even though it's made of trash, just seeing it, you're like, that's a monster. Yeah, but, but really, like any pre-Google society, they were yeah. working really hard to know anything. Yeah, and it was right. really hard. <laughs> I just also that it cost one hundred seventy dollars to make this ship, like very impressive budget-wise. Yeah, yeah, that does feel like a reality TV show. You've got one hundred seventy dollars, <laughs> and you've got twelve hours, and the army is after you. Yeah. <laughs> Join us next week when you know. yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like the real Civil War generals. Of, <laughs> yeah. like, Union or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> the General's Housewives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and someone has to type it all. Terrible. Yeah. Um, I love these naval stories in particular because it's just funny to me that it's at sea. I don't know why. This is a World War One story. But so even then, you don't have like that much information about the enemy. And for some reason in World War One, the main German cruisers, their big ships, tended to have three smokestacks. And the British ones tended to have four smokestacks. I don't really know why, but it was just how it worked. And so then one German captain said, hey, why don't I just put a fourth smokestack on my German yes. ship? His name was Captain Carl von Moller. Mm. And uh, he just had a ship called the SMS Emden that they put. he put an extra smokestack on. And so every British and allied with the British Navy just assumed it was an allied ship. And so he just kept sailing right up to the enemy and then blowing them away by surprise. It's so uh, smart. Like such a yeah. simple little addition. <laughs> and it's so funny because that's such a weird thing to not codify but it's like well yeah we always have three and they always have four it's like who right. decided that well I, think, I, think, I don't think it's a decision right it's more like just distance well yeah I'm, over distance you'll get like differences right that makes sense but i also as someone who i'm embarrassed my my bailiwick historically is a i love sunken ships that's like my favorite oh, right. thing yeah and so like the big thing too with the like the titanic had four smokestacks and it's like the same thing with you know, making your iPhone screen bigger or whatever, they're like another smokestack and we're modern as hell. <laughs> and it's tight and people love it. I think though, I yeah. think having differences did help back then to know whose team you were on, right? Because you you yeah. were approaching from so far. Right. And, you know, b before when you're at sea, all you have communication wise is a telescope before yeah, before yeah. radio and stuff so like i or guess binoculars it, or yeah mm. yeah there used but to be yeah. a whole job called being a spotter have you guys ever seen um like naval spotter playing cards no i don't know if it's invented after world war ii or during but it was just a set of playing cards where every one of them had the stencil of uh, uh what a plane looked like from the era and, and so spotters would use those to practice like they would just play cards but also they would constantly see okay that's the shape of that that's the shape of that oh that's interesting so by shape they a lot of times had to figure out that's us that's the other guys Whoa. fire or don't you know yeah cool that is yeah that's super interesting i yeah. guess the, the you know the sort of smokestack thing is just camouflage right which is nature's one of the nature's best yeah uh, like forms of defense and stuff so like <laughs> at first i was like oh that's really smart and then i was like actually nature's been doing that for years i'm not impressed <laughs> yeah von von mueller think of something cool why don't you make a trash boat then call us then we'll care how about that <laughs> 
<laughs> and he was also out in the Indian Ocean because uh, I, I don't think Germany had a lot of stuff out there, but the British did. And so just they were kind of out <laughs> oh, on their they own. Did. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> during World War One, they captured and destroyed dozens of British ships for months with just their one German cruiser. Uh, in oh, wow. one nine day period, they captured nine ships and sunk six more. Uh, they raided an entire port city by themselves. Uh, just this one smokestack move. Everybody fell for it all the time. This That's is incredible. Yeah. I just can't get over how much they got done in nine days. Before the internet, you could really get a lot done in nine days. <laughs> oh my God. A city, right. a, a town a day? Well, also, let's look at uh, this is another, this is a World War II thing, but this is some British ingenuity. Uh, Eric, you picked out a story where the Nazis in World War II had V1s, which were terrifying oh, my flying goodness, bombs. Yeah. And then the British uh, Air Force figured out a way to defuse them. Yeah, yeah. So back then, this was the first sort of not guided missile, but the first missile that you didn't need to like have a man on it or whatever. And so when they had the territories of France and Belgium, right, they then started attacking the UK. And the UK is obviously an island. And so to get over the Channel, which is that little strip of sea, they had those rockets. And if you put the right amount of fuel in those rockets, then when they run out, they start falling. And they start falling at around 350 miles per hour. And so they, they could work out how much fuel was needed to go from, let's say, Pas-de-Calais, which is in France, en France, um, and then sort of land in, in London. Yeah. It was super. It was... Like, that's, that's quite smart, right? I mean, the Germans, Nazis were pretty cool when it came to, like, ingenuity, but naughty, yeah. naughty when it came yeah. to, like, you know, the murdering and stuff. <laughs> Guys! <laughs> Just the math. Um, I'm like, what you're describing sounds like a math problem that I would get wrong on a test. Right. <laughs> and Germans are known for their yeah. math, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that's one thing that they, they did, but weirdly, and I, don't, I actually don't know the engineering behind those, those bombs, but if you flip them over, then they stopped working. Right, we, and one thing I quite liked was that they were also called Maybugs. So the V ones were called Maybugs, oh. and if you flip a, an insect on on its back, generally, if it doesn't have the energy, it, it'll just yeah. be, or if be it's dead. just depressed. It, yeah, just yeah. Like, oh, I hate my little insect yeah, what's life. The point, <laughs> like a cartoon uh, turtle or yeah. something, like mirror. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but weirdly, weirdly, like you could do the same thing to the, the bomb, and so you'd flip it over, and so this is the insane thing. I did, I just found out after you know preparing for this podcast but yeah. the what pilots did was that they'd fly alongside the bomb and then using their wing they would just sort of tip the bomb on its back in the air yeah. which is that's i mean that's amazing that's crazy <laughs> how did they figure that out that first of all, i don't understand how right but my guess is that maybe some of them when they fell if they fell on their back then they, they didn't detonate and they started noticing because not only not only did they yeah. immediately fall down Right, but also on its back, it meant that it was it was no longer an explosive. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, it's, it's actually one of the things that in London we still find bombs quite regularly from yeah. World War Two, and so I remember being in an area that got evacuated because they still found a, a bomb that was undetonated, and wow. so we f- we find all these bombs. So my guess is that they must have seen some undetonated and went, "Oh, it's on its back." Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a good question. I actually don't know how someone worked that out. And how they figure out to flip it over in the air. It's got to be some pilots that had a real death wish, some real Top Gun World War II guys who were just like, I'll flip it. And they were like, (laughs) all right, I guess. But I think also in those desperate desperate times, I think that anyone, certainly me, right, and I don't know if it's a male thing or a human thing, but like the idea of being the hero Mm -hmm. that saves the day, if you are a pilot that's experienced and that's like got a bit of a death wish, Mm -hmm. Imagine being a pilot who's like up there 
and then flips the first ever one, you know, just to see if it, the idea works. Oh my God, it's worked. Yeah. Houston but doesn't exist in the UK, but London. <laughs> like, you know, that's. No, he's calling Houston. They're like, well, he's a hero, but also insane. You know, he doesn't. <laughs> So I don't know. That's um, that's quite amazing to that's flip crazy. flip a bomb in midair. It's probably something to do with, like you say, like the desperation of it being a critical situation. Because apparently mm. by 1944, the Germans were launching 100 V1s at England per day, and they are these massive things that are sort of plane shaped, where it's a big tube and it has two little wings. And so, if you can picture in your head, listening at home, like it's a very Looney Tunes move. They would like mm. fly their plane next to it. And then turn their wings to like paddle the other wing around yeah. to flip it over. It sounds which is like crazy. <laughs> to me, like when my remote falls under my couch and you're trying to reach for it and get it is like the yeah. maneuver I'm imagining. <laughs> Probably equally yeah. terrifying, I guess. World War Two though was full of so many amazing yeah. things like that. And I and I think it's because the Nazis had like quite a few years to prepare. And so Europe, what Europe ended up having to do, especially the UK, was just it was constant defense. Yeah, because that makes sense. They they had no time to prepare for attacks mm -hmm. because these motherfuckers were coming out with like V two. When did the V two rocket come out? That was uh, probably at the very end of the war. Yeah, because V one right. like because the V one pilot thing that was nineteen forty four. So that was like the last year almost of, of yeah. the war. So the, I don't know when the V two came out, but that one was a sexy bomb if you're attracted <laughs> to bombs. <laughs> and I am. Afghanistan and Iraq, very modern wars. And there's a bad thing where IEDs are were one of the main killers of U.S. troops, like, uh, much more than direct combat and things like that. IEDs improvise explosive devices. Yes. They're just rigged up and like traps. And so uh, there was a software engineer named Ernie Fessenden, uh, and he knew his brother was out there in the military. And he was like, "How? what can we come up with to like find and, and save people from IEDs. And he bought a remote control toy car and uh, rigged it up with like a video camera and a few infrared lights and things. It cost him about $500. And he mailed it to his brother. And then the guys used it to send the little remote control car ahead of themselves. And it set off an IED and saved six soldiers. That's amazing. Yeah. That's and that's very thing. smart. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to throw out there because I looked at the images of like what they send in to make sure there are no IEDs oh, like the little little vehicles. Yeah. They could make them cuter. <laughs> Put some rims on those. I don't know. It's like a note for the guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why don't you pimp my IED detection device? I just think it's it would be cool if put some dice in the little fake dashboard. Make it look fun. <laughs> <laughs> and it is just very fun that any kind of toy was useful in a war like that. Like, like I just had an RC car toy as a kid. Mm. It was like my favorite thing in the world. And, and for it to be useful in an actual war is insane. It's great. <laughs> but it also speaks to like that even toys are worth yeah. any sort of active play can also lead to something that's useful as opposed to just get those kids out of the classroom, get them playing, playing with stuff. That's what I say. <laughs> they might save lives one day. Well, they probably Active will. The, the, yeah. the kids that are now so good at Fortnite, you know, like their yeah. little nimble fingers on this controller. At some point, they're just going to be controlling Boston Dynamics robots to like just be invading other countries and stuff. You know, <laughs> the, kid, the kids will be <laughs> yeah. at home safe in Indiana. Boom, yeah. right? Oh, wow. And then, actually, that's like the premise of Ender's Game. Have you ever read that or seen I've read, that? I did yeah. read Ender's Game. That's, that's what I was yeah, going to say, amazing. and I was like, I don't know if I, I'm going to spoil it. Boston Dynamics were like, oh my God, like it's a dog that can open doors. Isn't that cool? And at some point, it's going to be like Robocop, where like, please stay alert. 
please go back in your home or we'll kill you. Like, it'll just be all these robots just controlling everyone. I don't know what uh, Boston, what is that? It's you are a, so lucky that you've not seen Boston Dynamics robots. Have you not seen them, Alex? I've just seen them on YouTube. Yeah, it's like it's like a lot of very advanced. Very like, advanced. Look at our robot that can get over any obstacle on its own. I mean, I've seen yeah, like yeah. the one that looks kind of like a horse or a cow. That's yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah. that's one of them. Yeah, and you can sort of yeah, like yeah, kick yeah. them, and they sort of get back up and stuff. Yeah. And that's like that's what we're allowed to see. You know, like I'm just interested to see like what what's out there. They're gonna. They're, at some point, they're gonna. Yeah, send, if that's what they're oh, willing yeah. to show us, what aren't they showing us? Right. Type of thing. Mm. Right in the next room, it's like learning to use a sword. And yeah. Stuff, exactly. but then, no, no, get the camera. Yeah, like, yeah it's no, like no. making food, and they're like, no, no, <laughs> don't let it in here. Don't. You can't see that. Because like, if you if you look at a lot of like old school paintings, right, the really old paintings of like generals, right, you'd have the general and the horse, and then you'd have the masses, the seas of hundreds and thousands of soldiers behind them, right? Because all that's. The general was the important one, and then they were just pawns, right? They were just fodder, cannon fodder. And now we need people less and less because we've got drones and we've got just these machines that can do the war for us. It is interesting to just see humans go, oh, I've got no purpose now. (laughs) AI can probably do drone stuff better than us. But can robots do a podcast? (laughs) <laughs> probably there's probably one out there that's pretty good <laughs> I like peel off my face yeah. like yes it can <laughs> Many thanks to our friends at Squarespace for helping make this show possible, The Cracked Podcast. They want to put it on the air, and they want to help you out. This, is, this isn't about me. This isn't about the podcast. This is about you having your own website to show off who you are. Maybe you make things. Maybe you want to sell things. Maybe you write things, photograph things. Uh, maybe you just want to have a cool domain name that you can tell people when you meet them. They're like, oh, I, you know, I'll see you later. And you can be like, before you go, hey me.com and they'll be like how did you get me.com and you'll be like this is just an example it's actually my whole name and they'll be like that makes more sense you can have a much more streamlined version of that conversation if you work with squarespace because they make buying domains simple that way you can get exactly the the url and the web address you want and then from there you can use a beautiful template created by a world-class designer to customize just about anything you want that website to do while it looks great And while it's optimized for mobile from jump right out of the box, it will look good on phones, tablets, and the other fun futuristic devices that we all use to read the internet. Also, to listen to podcasts. So you know about it. You get it. You're very, very wise, and you have a cool device. Squarespace empowers millions of people like you, cool devices or not, to turn great ideas into something real. So head to squarespace.com slash cracked for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code cracked to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash cracked, offer code cracked. One thing to repeat from the top of the show, because it's this week, Thursday, that's April 11th. We're in Chicago at Lincoln Hall. And then Friday, that's April 12th. We will be in St. Paul, Minnesota at Amsterdam Bar and Hall. See our live podcast in your city if you possibly can. And if you can't, who needs ya? Just kidding. You're great. Uh, please come back. This is another just fun piece of technology. Logan, you picked out this is a World War II story, but mm. it's uh, U- the U.S. figured out a way to make like exploding baked goods like, yes. as, a, as a way to smuggle it. Yeah. Which So they were smuggling it to the Chinese to fight the Japanese during World War II. Yeah. And they called it Aunt Jemima, which aside from all the problematic connotations of Aunt Jemima, it was a pancake mix at the time. And 
it it was explosive. But the thing that blew my mind is that you could also cook with it. Yeah. And they would they even had an advisor like if you're going to cook with it, don't light a cigarette right after because your house will blow up. So they <laughs> snuck it to the Chinese as a way to fight the Japanese. But then because they were hungry and it was still during a war, people would still eat it anyway. And that's hot. After they put it together, they're like, and you can still eat it. And everyone was like, perfect. That's exactly what we look for in our weapons. Can we eat it? Before I was stockpiling a bunch of food and a bunch of bombs. Now I just but, need one thing. Yeah, now one thing. So can, I, can I ask how it works? So, so you, you, you make these baked goods and then you eat them. And so then you've got the ingredient inside you to, to, to sort of blow up. And I'm guessing you need to then smoke, right? You need some sort of fire. Like, how does it what? work? How does this explosive work? From from what I read, it seems like it's a thing where it's just explosive powder that looks a lot like flour and seems a lot like regular flour. Right. And so you're just smuggling it that way. Oh, and then so it's, about, it's more about the smuggling. It's right. more about the yeah, smuggling, yeah. but that you could still eat it. But it, it was a very clever thing because I think the U.S. wasn't in the war yet. And so then they wanted to help China fight Japan anyway. And so they were like, we're just sending them a lot of flour. We just think the Chinese had never tried pancakes and yeah. it's time. So that's what we're sending <laughs> them. That's so interesting. Imagine just what a scene, you know, like you know, a mother makes a nice cake for the children and they just explode. <laughs> it's just like, mm, this is a great birthday cake, mother. I'm just imagining that like the thing that's sticking in my head is I'm more like, one, did they know you could eat it when they sent it? Did they discover you could eat it? Right. Is what like someone right. ate it by accident. They were like, oh, hell yeah additional bonus (laughs) or were they sending out being like know that you can use it for one of two things right right right. food or explosive if i'm correct order if i'm correct the v the v1 bomb uh was also edible (laughs) Uh, so if you flipped it around then it's like it's yeah underneath like a full chicken (laughs) it is sort of party sub shaped yeah exactly cut it up There's also a, a, there's another food story here, and Eric, you'd pick this one out. This mm. this goes way, way back, but it's um, honey that is like a hallucinogen that uh, in history it, it helped defeat the Romans uh, yeah. like when they invaded. Uh, we're back in Turkey. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, so this is, yeah, this is actually super interesting. Uh, the Romans were defeated by honey. So it's called, this is a thing called mad honey, right? Yeah. And this is a guy called, he's a professor of anthropology called Vaughn Bryant. He's one of the world's foremost honey experts, which kind of just, <laughs> that's amazing. That's cool. Yeah. What do you do for a living? Oh, honey. Oh, he's he's putting honey. his dick in those for sure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> that's how he's, uh, yep. Because honey's expensive thing. as well. And I bet mm. you go to his house and he's like, mm, 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 this man's got some honey. Yeah. <laughs> Honey back then, this is another thing we forget. Honey was such a resource back then. Like, because yeah, if yeah. you think about Greek myths and stuff like that, they keep, you know, Bible talks about milk and honey. And right. like, uh, uh, the nectar of the gods was actually a type of, of honey and stuff. It was so important back then. And so mad honey uh, originated in the Black Sea region, which is like Eastern Turkey. And it, yeah. basically the, the types of, the, the reason that honey becomes hallucinogenic and if you eat loads, it's like diarrhea and death, potentially. Uh, it's because of a particular flower. So it's not necessarily about the, the, the honey. It's just about the particular flower called the rhododendron flowers. Mm. Yeah. Um, and they have grainotoxin in it. I don't know how I said that properly, but grainotoxin. Yeah, so it's all about the flower itself. And the bees don't get affected by it. They actually don't care. But if Or they're human... having a sick time. They're yeah. loving it. <laughs> well, the bees can get drunk, right? 
Because supposedly they, they, they did tests on, you know, like bees can communicate where flowers are and stuff like mm. that, depending on how they, they fly around in the air. And they've noticed that their their movements are affected when they get drunk. But I don't know how they get drunk. I know the animals can. With like, I think they like, like whiskey. <laughs> Is that right? I think they figured that out. Old fashioned right yeah. here. <laughs> We're all dying, you know. <laughs> and uh, so basically like there's loads of like little references to, to the to the mad honey. But the one that yeah. actually won a battle was in 67 BC. Roman soldiers, they were sort of marching towards uh, Greece. The Greeks, what they did was that they left loads of pots of honey by the road. And uh, the Romans were like, mm, mm, what's this delicious honey over there? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. I'm tired. And they were tired of, you know, doing the tortoise shape. As a, so they were just like, oh, let's <laughs> break formation. Get the honey. And they're just like, which in all fairness, that's like, that's like a strip club for like soldiers, right? You know, like you've been marching all the way from Rome to Greece, which I can confirm is a long time. Right, sure. Right? You got to go around. Yeah. You got to treat, you got to treat yourself. <laughs> you got to have some just, of that honey. All these tricks, 100%, like I would be fooled. They'd be like, well, you probably shouldn't eat a snack you found on the side of the road. I'd be like, okay, you're a square because I'm. it's free, so I'm yeah. going to eat it. <laughs> I was wondering if like there are psychoactive effects to mad honey that would make you want to keep eating it, or is it just... Is it like a regular it seems, honey? Yeah, my, it my, seems my like guess they is just that, uh, thought they were having regular honey and they were like, oh, I'm stoked. I'm just going to have as much regular honey yeah, as I can. Yeah, because I was like, right. can it get you fucked up and where do I get it? It was, was my question. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, if it's fun at all, I want to know. If nothing happens, I don't care. It's def- like, so my guess is that it's definitely fun if you know that you're taking mad honey, right? Yeah. So like if, for example, you do an MDMA, what a delicious treat. But if someone puts some MDMA in my coffee on a Tuesday morning and I've got an audition... I'll freak the fuck out, right? Or have and, a great audition and yeah. really be... <laughs> you're going to book it. You're yeah. messed up because you're like, now every audition. Yeah, that's true. And in all fairness, <laughs> I, I'm very typecast. Uh, it's often drug-based characters that I do. <laughs> With the honey, uh, it was a unit under Pompey the Great, and then his troops ate a bunch of it and then were immediately overwhelmed by the enemy because they weren't ready to fight and over a thousand of them were killed because yeah. of honey. That's all it took. And also, so sticky. I imagine they were dealing with yeah. that as well. They're like, oh, my bad old stuff is covered in honey. Yeah, pre-sinks. What did they do? Yeah. But I, I also believe Ugh. that back then, and I say back then like history, whole of history, if you knew <laughs> about the powers of hallucinogens, you would probably use them as a weapon. You know, like oh, and, yeah. and that that totally makes sense. Like I've I've seen like some movies before where like they would, you know, drug people and you just do do whatever you want with them. I mean, I say movies, like it happens now with human trafficking and stuff. You just drug them and then they're yours. And so it kind of makes sense that if you could weaponize a hallucinogen, that you would do it. But I mean, sure. they do yeah. it in, in uh, Batman. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> all my references. <laughs> Batman yeah. Begins? Yeah, very smart. Yeah. Um, all my got... references have nothing to do with history and just movies. <laughs> but movies is history. Oh, Wow. There's one other like weaponized hallucinogen story as World War One. I, I think Logan, you picked this one out. Yes. There was a, a British intelligence operation with opium laced cigarettes. Yeah, which is very smart. Mm. It, the thing that so like apparently the British kept airdropping, I believe, there to the Ottomans. It was like a care package to get them to surrender during the war that included cigarettes and then like pamphlets explaining why they should. And then yeah. towards the end of the war, twist. They dropped the same packaging, but with opium-laced cigarettes. So they were, like, tricking them for a long time that they were just dropping regular cigarettes. Right. 
Yeah, and they needed a key breakthrough, so they were like, "This time, this drug time we'll draw and more drugs." You know, yeah. <laughs> and I just smart, yeah. I guess well, because it, I it's now just occurring to me that like, I get why it was a move to give them cigarettes along with pamphlets, being like, "Oh, you should surrender here. We're being nice. Here's a little treat." Because at first I was like, "If the enemy is throwing cigarettes at you." Like, wouldn't you, wouldn't your captain be like, I don't want to see you guys smoke it. Like, I know I'm saying I would eat honey, but like people will see you smoke it. Like them being like, I don't want to see those British cigarettes in your hands. But I guess everyone was just fine with it. And then. Yeah. Anything know, free. Like if, if something falls from the sky and it's like a chocolate bar, I'll very likely be like, that was weird. I'm eating that. I, like very yeah. quickly. <laughs> well, that was weird. Like I, like I would eat the honey probably because I just like honey. I feel like I'm like, what is the window of time you wait before you're not sketched out? I feel like for me, it'd be 20 minutes. Right. Like if I'm in the middle of a fight and somebody fell from the sky, I'd wait 20 minutes and then be like, I'm going to do it. But, but I, like, I, I like debate it. <laughs> that would be my amount of time. But so, yeah, they all smoke these opium laced cigarettes and then we're just, you know, high on opium. And, and they had loads of opium fight. as well because the UK went into like I think two opium wars in China yeah because they had like a lot of territory that's why you know when you're saying that the British were in the, all over the Indian Ocean it's because they colonized everywhere basically yeah. bastards and Indians I can say that because I'm French I'm not British this is, <laughs> accent is a lie <laughs> um, <laughs> let's uh, let's do a few more of these historical tricks let's uh, do it. this is a World War II one where late in the war, the U.S. forces were partly focused on like liberating POW camps as they kind of took territory. And uh, so in the Pacific Theater, there was a POW camp in the Philippines in January 1945. And two flyers for the U.S., they... They knew that, like, they didn't really have the air power to, like, overwhelm this thing. They were just kind of the only guys with a plane. And so Captain Kenneth Schreiber and First Lieutenant Bonnie Rux just flew over the POW camp uh, controlled by the Japanese and did stunts. Like, they just did like 20 a- minutes of aerobatics and they, like, backfired their engine and then saved the plane again and just right. did, like, cool tricks. And so apparently... Uh, the Japanese couldn't shoot them down, so they just like watched, and they were like, "Ah, oh, these are really cool tricks. This is neat." <laughs> and meanwhile, the U.S. troops all got in position and then overwhelmed the POW camp immediately and that's freed five hundred troops. That's very smart. And again, that's what, that's a tactic that I feel has been used a lot, like the, the hacker and 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 sort of like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like because yeah. like tribes like all over the world would show displays of like the, have displays to put fear to strike fear and. Yeah. In, in people's minds and stuff. That's why, like, the war horns and stuff like that. Imagine the, hearing... Well, the marching. I'm using Lord of the Rings here, which is a terrible example. <laughs> no, no, it's one I get, so please right, right. go on. But, like, you know that, that that marching when you, like... I think it was in the Two Towers, or I don't know, but, like, there's, there's somewhere you could hear, like, the stomping of people marching in unison. And I think that's one of the reasons why they marched in unison back then, because there was, like, hundreds of thousands of people. So you could hear them fucking coming, and the war horns... Like you imagine hearing that in a distance and it's slow as well. It's not like they're coming oh, yeah. that sort of slow buildup of maybe an hour, an hour and a half's worth of and the ground is shaking and stuff. Like back then, before the fight even starts, you're terrified, right? Yeah. And so that is the same thing, but sort of opposite. Instead of striking fear, you strike awe and distraction and Netflix yeah. and we're all distracted. <laughs> oh, sorry, what? Um, but yeah. <laughs> It's a, it's an interesting it's a, that's a very smart yeah move because it's quite a scary thing to do to to go in there and not attack them in fear that they would attack back. 
Does that make yeah. sense? Like the pilots like, like distracted them, but I, but there was a good chance that they would just be like, ah, "F this," and shoot them down. Like they were like, Ooh, "Yeah, look yeah, at yeah. my fancy." <laughs> no one can see me, but I'm doing a thing with my arms, being like, Ooh, "She's doing the fembots from uh, yeah. Austin Powers." <laughs> <laughs> like, but that's what the, that's what it is. The fembots just yeah. distracted Austin Powers. But the the crazy thing, this is not in the Pacific Theater. My grandpa was actually a POW in oh, wow. um in. France, I think. Oh. I don't know. Uh, but he, we're, um, we're Jewish and there was a whole thing where your dog tag says your religion because if you die, they want to know if like you got to get last rights if you're Christian or right. Or, right. But so the thing was Jews, if they got captured, would take their dog tags off. But if they found, if Germans found you with no dog tag, they would just shoot you on sight. They would assume you're Jewish. So even if you were a Jew, you had to leave it. And you saying the marching was coming, they were in a barn and they could hear people coming when they got caught and right. they were all wearing their, but it was so close to the end of the war that most Germans like on the ground kind of knew low key Germany was going to lose. Right. So yeah. they were starting to be nice to the prisoners of war because Whoa. they knew if they lost, they didn't want them to be mad. So they let them have a Passover Seder, right. which is like crazy while they were wow. prisoners of war. But then also it was like my grandpa traded his bar mitzvah watch for a can of tuna and he opened it and it was filled with dirt, which I don't understand how cans work back then. Cause I was like, Grandpa, it was obvious that can was open. Why would you oh, yeah. do that? How do you, but wow. so it was like a weird mix of some of them were trying to be super nice because they wanted leniency and then some were still. And he lived and was fine. I mean, he got jaundiced, but he was fine after that. Yeah. Lived a very long, happy life. Wow. It's just, yeah, it's that's just interesting. Just finding a reason to talk about my grandpa. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's nice. It's, it's, nice. But it's nice to hear. Like It's nice to hear that. And also that's something that we forget is that the people, the foot soldiers ultimately are human. I want to look at this other operation here. This is a, a World War II thing, Eric, you picked out. Uh, oh, yeah. It was a British operation called Operation Mincemeat. Operation uh, but Mincemeat. It was some really, really elaborate, like, like dungeon mastering almost. Like, a lot of story. It's quite sad, but also brilliant and, yeah. and stuff. But basically there's this homeless man, Glyndir Michael, right? He's a Welsh person. Yeah. And uh, in 1942, he was down on his luck, living on the streets. And yeah, it was basically just a tough time for him, which when I read that, I was like, that's weird that he's homeless and there's a war going on. Like, <laughs> Are like, there a lot of people who are struggling? Because like, no? what in my head, I was like, if I'm a general or something, I'm going to hire everyone I need. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and if there's homeless people, I'd be like, uh. can you probably help out, mate? Oh, that yeah. would, you yeah. know, like, hire yeah. Glyndon Michael, because he was homeless looking for a purpose. And <laughs> so the poor guy, anyway, he decided to kill himself. Or the government killed him. Ooh. But the how how do you know? I don't think so. They they would have probably had enough corpses to, yeah. to play with. <laughs> yeah, but, um, they were available. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they but actually they, they were available, but they needed a specific body because what they what the what they wanted to do was to drop a body on the Spanish shores. And uh the reason it was in Spain was so he he would have drowned in the Mediterranean, which was a hot spot for the, the, the war. If you if you had control of the Mediterranean, you had control of you know North Africa and all the southern countries in in Europe basically, yeah. and so and in Spain uh, had a little pasha for for the Nazis. You know they mm. they they said that they remained neutral, but they didn't. They actually had a little winky winky to mm. to, to Hitler. Plain footy. Yeah yeah yeah. Ooh, <laughs> Hitler, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, so they planned to like drop him there, and so they were looking for a specific body that wasn't damaged by anything else that could sort of be bloated by the ocean for a few days 
and then dropped off. So they 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 got this this Welsh gentleman, and they gave him a whole black backstory. Uh, they had, gave him a different name, uh, passport, all of that. They had the uh, picture of a wife that they made up. I think his name was Pam. Yeah, his Pam's his name was Major William Martin was his identity, and he had a, a fake fiance named Pam. Yeah, which was not you know like, and this is the kind of poetic thing is that he died, but then in death. He had the life that he wanted, right? Which was like a respected man with a right. wife and stuff like that. And and I was like, that's really sad. But also, I don't believe in the sort of an afterlife and stuff. But back then, maybe he was Christian or whatever. Let's say hypothetically, there is an afterlife. He he went somewhere else, and then he saw that his body essentially was a big part in saving the day. Because he was a war hero, yeah. Because because what happened was they they put some fake information on him. And when Spanish found him, they relayed it to the Nazis. They actually got all the way to Hitler. And it was about a tr strategic moves. And mm -hmm. so what they wanted, what the Allies wanted was Sicily, which is one of the islands off Italy. And if you had control of Sicily, which was one of the big islands, then you a lot easier to control the Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, no, no, we're not doing Sicily. We're actually going to go to Greece. Oh, oh no, they found out our details about Greece. And so, like, which is how I believe they, the generals in the UK reacted. <laughs> yeah, they were like, oh, oh no, no, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, you are never going to believe what happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> so, so the Nazis, they sent a lot of their efforts um, towards Greece. And while they were doing that, um, they the Allies took over Sicily. So he was like a message in a bottle, but a human. yeah, uh, yeah. but a, a sort of dead body, mm. and a, and a really elaborate one. They gave him that name, fake fiance, and pictures of her. They put a receipt for an engagement ring on him. Oh wow! Uh, like a real backstory. Yeah, a letter, fake letter from his fake dad, uh, <laughs> fake bus tickets. Uh, they gave him a, a re fake replacement ID to imply that he was like klutzy and clumsy and would be the kind of person to accidentally drown and wash up on. <laughs> <laughs> fascist shore uh, yeah like maybe and also like they, a lot had, of writing there was a picture you know? of him there but like not being able to swim yeah. like, he was six years old not, yeah. wow this wallet has like, everything that we need yeah the letter from the dad was like I know you haven't learned how to swim yet just wondering if you've been taking lessons because I really think it's time <laughs> and yeah like you say Eric he like the, the allies had pretty much taken over North Africa it was like where do we go next into Europe and by spreading the Nazi defenses out, they were able to take Sicily more easily. Pretty much knock the Italians out of the war. It was huge. Right. Yeah. I, I, th I was thinking that. Like, I don't know much about wars and stuff, but, you know, like, as Germany expanded more and more, I was going, I was thinking, well, you're just, this isn't risk where you just gain more <laughs> soldiers every go you play. Like, I was thinking they surely that it's impossible to control more and more territory with the same amount of Germans slowly diminishing because mm -hmm. also who's fucking during the world war ii like in in, uh, in germany <laughs> even if you're you think you're on the winning side who's like yeah let's fucking bang and raise a baby yeah, in the you're, war you're probably you're <laughs> so scared because of all the bombs all the time you're losing boners left and right yeah right i'm i lose erections just because i've got bills to pay yeah. <laughs> like if a bomb is falling this is gonna be insane right yeah and so surely like surely someone must have said to hitler like can you just slow it down? Because you're taking so much territory, we're running out of people. I don't know. <laughs> like this, there's there's a, a one corpse story that I I enjoy having in my head. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I phrase it like that. But, just um, one. Uh, there is one good one. <laughs> oh. It's about a jockey that won an important race, but he was dead when he won it, and so he had a heart attack uh, halfway through the race, but he was still on the horse, and the horse went over the finish line, and wow. he won, but he was dead. 
So did he still win or on a technicality? Well, he still won. I don't think he knows how he won, but he did win. No, technically. He knows. <laughs> I, 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 feel no, like, I, know. I feel like whoever's second, even though they probably won, like, you know, statistically, they know deep down that they lost. Yeah. <laughs> you know? They're like, he lost to a dead person. To a dead person as well. Oof. So there's a story here, Logan, you picked this out. It's about uh, female pilots in World War II for the Soviets. Yeah, and I didn't pick it because I wanted to, you know, talk up women. I picked it because <laughs> what they decided was they found out that they had planes that were so slow. They were, even their fastest speed was slower than American planes could go. So there was no way for the Americans to catch up. and Or the Germans. Or the Germans yeah, to catch up. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, and guess who they had pilot those slow ass planes? You guessed it. Only women. <laughs> only They gave all the women the slow planes. And that's just so funny to me. They're like, oh, yeah, we're going to give these women the, the, the powerful tool of flight. But they will be flying like the equivalent of pedicabs is what, is what they're, yeah. and it just made me laugh. But then apparently they were like old crop duster biplanes. Yeah. They weren't yeah. even, oh, wow. they yeah. weren't actually like combat. Planes. No, no, no. And they were like made of like, like shitty materials and stuff. And there's no, it just is so funny to me that they were like, mm, we will use these shitty planes, but we will have to have them flown by shitty pilots. <laughs> so let's have these women. And, but then, you know, they flew so slow that the Germans couldn't shoot at them. Well, I guess that makes sense, though. If you're, if you're like, getting, you know, muscle memory to shoot down, like, a particular speed of plane, yeah. that any other speed would actually probably throw you off. You're like, it's, it's too smart. slow. It's impossible. Right. And also, like, this, <laughs> this, this biplane, you know, you may laugh, but I believe Independence Day, the movie, was won thanks to a biplane flying into the main yes. weapon. So... <laughs> you will, gentlemen. I'm so sorry. Ladies. We should have a moment of silence for Randy Quaid, I think. <laughs> Soviet women. Truly yeah. the Randy Quaid. Yeah, Soviet women, the Randy Quaids of the war. <laughs> they were also alcoholics and so they've been probed by aliens. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it was the, they formed the 588th Night Bomber Regiment and mm. it was women nicknamed the Night Witches who were just oh, in yeah. old, of course. They're called old the night farming witches. planes. Uh, oh, women that want to get involved with men's work? Well, they must be witches. <laughs> they must be witches. And you did not want to fly near them on their periods. Let me tell you. No. It was <laughs> <laughs> they were the real red barons. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and like you say, the planes were so slow that the fastest they could go was slower than like the German minimum speed. So the Germans couldn't shoot them down because they kept just going past them too fast. Oh, that's like, great. Oh, God. And they were also kind of silent because their engines were so crappy. Uh, and so they were excellent bombers at night. And uh, the Germans were trying to invade the Russia through the Caucasus Mountains. and uh, But they just got bogged down in all this bombing from these ladies in old planes. Nice. Yeah. That's a nice story. I like that. The Soviets were apparently one of the first countries to allow women to actually be in like combat roles. But then, like you say, they, had a, they were like, you get the worst aircraft. Oh, and then the other thing that was cool was the planes flew so slow that even when they crashed, they would drift to the ground and most pilots survive so like yeah. oh that's nice. so it's like all these women they're like we're gonna give you the worst planes it was like oh we're useful and also we live as opposed to the fast ones that just careen into the ground and everyone 
becomes <laughs> mincemeat, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was yeah. like, oh, that's fun that secretly these night witches probably were. They knew what they were doing. Deal. Yeah. Uh, we'll take the snow planes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You oh, sure I, you don't want to play? You don't want to play with the fast ones? No, no. no you guys have those. I want the vintage plane. I want yeah. to re. I want to repurpose it. That sounds fun to me. <laughs> well, it's not even a crash. It's more of like a boop or yeah, a, yeah. Bink. Oopsie. You know, like, <laughs> I did it like, again. Oh, I'm so bad. Oh. <laughs> you like land on a Nazi. Like, yeah. can you get this plane off me, please? Yeah. <laughs> Folks, that's the episode for this week. My thanks to Logan Gunselman and Eric Lampere for crisscrossing the millennia with me. What a trip, what a time. And if you check our food notes, you too can explore a history of weird conflicts. There's an extra one there that I just want to put a link to. There wasn't time to talk about it, but it comes from a Smithsonian article. The article is called The Only Time in History When Men on Horseback Captured a Fleet of Ships. And it's what that sounds like. It's it's French cavalry defeating Dutch ships, right? Horses beating ships uh, because of a comical series of events, coincidences, ice, to give you a little spoiler of how they did it. And it's all because war can get weird. It's not all epic stuff and patent speeches and people who know what they're doing. It's a lot of just strange uh, coincidences happening, too. And that, that's one of my favorite things about this episode that we did, that it was full of them. Beyond this episode today, we have extremely exciting episodes happening this week. Please let me motivate you to attend our Cracked Podcast Tour. We are in Chicago at Lincoln Hall on Thursday, April 11th, this Thursday. Then we are in St. Paul, Minnesota at Amsterdam Bar and Hall on Friday, April 12th, this Friday. Links for tickets to those shows are in the foot notes. Please get one if you do want to come because they these things kind of tend to sell out like the day of or the day before, you know, that'll usually be when it peaks, when people are like, ah, finally, don't be someone who's frozen out by that. Get yours now. So then like later in the week, your plans come together and everything's good. You know what I mean? Great. You do know what I mean. You're very perceptive and smart. I like that. Again, those links to get tickets are in the food notes at the bottom there, or you can punch in bit.ly slash cracked Chicago or bit.ly slash cracked St. Paul. That's just ST Paul. And uh, there you go. You'll be able to come see the show, see what fun outfit I'm wearing for your city. Maybe I'll maybe I'll dress up, you know, and and not even fancy. Maybe I'll dress like in a costume thing. We'll all find out. It's going to be very thrilling. And beyond that, our theme music is Chicago Falcon by the Budos Band. Probably worth plugging their new album that comes out this Friday, April 12th. It's called Budos Band 5. It's five like a V because they're very ancient and wild. And what I've heard of that album is awesome. So check it out. This episode was engineered by Brett Morris and edited by Chris Souza. If you loved this episode, that's great. If you hated it, let me know about it on social media. That's right, social media. A living record of modern American history that's also mostly used to cover, uh, you know, like college basketball and opening day and stuff. But what you gonna do? My Twitter account is at Alex Schmitty. My Instagram is at Alex Schmitzstagram. I'm on the wider internet at my website, alexschmitty.com. And I'm here to say we will be back next week with more Cracked Podcast. So how about that? Talk to you then. This has been an Earwolf production, executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. 
For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. 